At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Wow, met fellow adventurers. We're back in the Dragon Hill Fields. Having having just recently went to the battlegrounds to water a pumpkin a hundred or so times. Gipser Crokerton did pretty well in that. And I think he's going to get a prize. I think we'll just slip that in at the start of a, ne- of a later episode. What we get. Or we'll just... Get it off, off, off mic. Anyway, to the next round. In Solondar's Grand Wing of Illusion. Proceed. Fourteenth round. The gathered onlookers rise, cheering wildly as you take the field and stride purposely into the centre of the wing circle of stones. The 14th round of Solondar's Grand Wing of Illusion is about to get underway. A shrill, crackling sound fills the air as arms of golden energy leap from the tips. Hips of the standing stones arcing high into the sky overhead. The frantic cheering of the crowd falls to barely a whisper as the energy subsides, replaced by the strange, almost eerie calm that always precedes the onset of one of Solondar's phantasmal masterpieces. Suddenly, everything around you begins to blur and shift, and before you can make any attempt to regain your bearings, you find your surroundings have changed. Fiend, the Fiends of Wraith Hollow. You stand beneath a star-filled, moonlit sky, the edge of a forest that runs up to the base of a tall, steep hill. The top of the hill, perhaps a quarter mile from you, is the lonely silhouette of a large stone mansion. The chill night air portrays the season as late autumn. You're wondering what Solondar has in store for you with his latest creation when a loud howl erupts from the woods to your left, shattering the silence. Three large hounds, their bodies draped in blue and orange flame, burst out of the forest and bound across the frozen ground towards you, snarling and howling as they close in. The scene about you suddenly freezes. It's got glowing apparition of Solidar appears. Okay, let's get some context. Behold, Sir Crokington, the Hounds of Wraith Hollow, cries Solidar, who appears momentarily horrified by the eeriness of his own creation. Mind you, though, that these pretty beasts are among the more pleasant denizens of this awful place. This this is Waif Hollow, home to a man who was, by every, who by every account was, in life, the very incarnation of a demon. There were few names as feared in legends as old as that, as Vidbim Tastar, the master of of Wraith Hollow. 
You glance quickly at the frozen forms of the three snarling hounds bursting out of the forest on your left and look back at the master illusionist. The top of the hill is the house of he whose dark name I have just spoken, continues Sonondar, and within it... Within its halls lies the daughter of the town elder of Harp, Harp Cove, a settlement just a few miles south of this desolate place. Verdrim took the young woman and his bride, snatching her as she pra- passed along the road near the gates of this domain. As a lesson in history will tell us, two hundred townsfolk stormed his lair and rescued the young lady. Verdrim fled and never returned. As you've no, no doubt have guessed, Sir Crokington, the rescue of this, this young woman is now in your most capable hands. You must reach the mansion and save her. I wish you only the best of luck. The apparition of the master illusionist disappears, and the scene about you instantly returns to life. The three fiery hounds bound out of the woods at the base of the hill and charge towards you, their ghastly howls and glowing yellow eyes sending a chill down the length of your spine. The ribs of these savage creatures poke through the thin, decaying skin that stretches tightly over their bony torsos. It was many centuries ago that these hounds made a cruel fate at the hands of their cruel master. Okay, that's it, that's it. Even though you're illusionary, you're gonna die. You quick. That's the wall. Those are the walls. Mistreat a dog, you die. <laughs> you know, in, in, in a game. Maybe I'll show a bit more mercy in real life. Just a bit, though. You quickly take up a defensive position between two towering maples, making it so you only have to face one of the rotting beasts at a time. With a vicious snarl, the first of the hounds is upon you. It's a rotting fire hound. Alright, you. Go to doggy heaven. Go straight to doggy heaven. The savage bite of the enemy tears into your flesh for 11 damage. Yay, off to doggy heaven you go. 5 XP. The second flaming hound assails. Howls as it streaks towards you. The overpowering stench of decay assails you as the vicious creature draws to within melee range. It's a watting firehound. The watting firehound viciously attacks you and is slain. 5 XP. The third hound is jowls dripping with yellow and white foam. Snarls as it bounds forward and leaps for your throat. I'll take you on too. Rotting firehound viciously attacks you and is slain. 5 XP. The three rotting firehounds are no more. You step away from their festering, charred remains and promptly start up the hill, eager to reach the mansion at the base of the summit and rescue the young lady taken captive by the master of Wraith Hollow. Only a few yards up the slope, you come across a stony track. Trony track that winds its way up the face of the hill. After following it for only minutes or two, you arrive at a dense band of fir trees that run the entire width of the slope. The edge of the tree belt, the stony path divides into three separate trails. Each of the three paths lead directly into the wood. Straight ahead, to the left, to the right, straight ahead. You plunge into the dark belt of trees on the narrow path straight in front of you. The trail winds its way through the trees and soon passes through a small clearing in the midst of which stands the tall, weathered statue of a tall, robed man. The statue stays, though certainly meant to be human, is sunken and disfigured. You've no doubt it's the very likeness of the infi- infamous Vidimin Testor, the master of Wayfollow. You're about to step past the grotesque statue and continue along the path when you suddenly spot a share pair of shining red eyes in the shadow of the wood off to your right. So flee 
or face the red-eyed menace. Face it, of course. Bravely, you stand your ground, and a small sense of relief comes over you as the red eyes suddenly disappear. The reprieve grows only temporary, however. For however, just moments later, a pair, the pair of bright red eyes return, returned, accompanied by a second pair. Vicious snarls hurtle out of the darkness as two hulking wolfkin leap from the shadows, nimbly landing only a few yards from you. You quickly assume a defensive stance as the first of the wolf, wolfmen lopes forward and attacks. It's a massive wolfkin. The hulking wolfkin tears at you with tooth and claw and is slain. 5 XP. The second wolfkin bounds forward and attacks, its fangs and claws flashing in the darkness as the horrid creature tears at your flesh. Not my flesh, I need that! The hulking wolfkin tears at you with tooth and claw. Mostly with, with claw though, I think. It is slain. 5 XP. With the two wolfkin now little more than bloody piles of fur and flesh. You're about to continue on the path when you suddenly note the eyes of the nearby statue are moving. Because of course they are. You cautiously approach the haunting likeness of Vidimin Tastor. But as you draw near, the eyes cease their movement and return to stone. Thankful that these eerie surroundings are all part of Sorandir's grand illusion, and quite eager to find yourself done with this particular challenge, you hurry off along the path. You emerge from the belt of trees and find you about halfway up the long slope, when the crown of which, which is perched the gaunt, upon which is perched, you emerge from the belt of trees and find yourself about halfway up the long slope. Upon the crown of which is perched the gaunt, eerie spectre of the old mansion. Even at this considerable distance, you are aware of several dark shapes atop the tallest portion of the mansion roof. You watch in horror as four of the shapes spread to what appears to be broad wings. Wings that soar upward into the moonlight sky moments later. The four shapes are rapidly descending on you. It is only now that you're fur you get your first revealing glimpse of the horrid creatures. They are large, skeletal birds. A chorus of wailing shrieks fills the air as the undead birds of prey swoop down upon you and attack. It's a skeletal bird of prey. Prepare to die again. The large Skeletal bird of prey tears at your flesh with its beak and talons. Your enemy snaps its beak down upon you hard. Twelve damage. Alright, taking it down. Taking it down. More snaps its beak down hard on me again. And is slain. Five XP. The second of the fleshless birds descend upon you. Tearing at you with its deadly talons. Skeletal bird of prey. Down you go. Down, 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 back to return to the earth, okay? Return, and you have, you are slain. 6 XP. The third skeletal bird shrieks as it swoops in, clawing at you with its sharp talons. It's another skeletal bird of prey. Snaps its beak down upon you hard. Snap, and ouch, and again for another 10 damage. And it is slain. Another 6 XP. The fourth and final skeletal bird shrieks angrily as it descends upon you. And now to fight it. Gets a bite in. A couple of bites. But it is still slain. 6 XP. With the undead birds of prey now little more than paths of splintered bone littering the hillside. You spring forward and charge up the remainder of the slope towards the eerie mansion perched upon its crest. You reach the main doors of the mansion and about to attempt to open them, when, without warning, they draw silently inward, revealing a torch-lit hall of polished marble. Of course he has a nice house. Vampire-coded people always have nice houses. 
lying on the floor, only a few feet inside the doors. The daughter of the town owner you've come here to rescue. You step into the hall and move up to her. The young lady is unconscious, but appears otherwise unharmed. A soft rustle from the crowd ahead draws your gaze to the end of the hall, where it is met by a sight that makes your blood run cold. Alright, definitely gonna heal. Okay, now I can take on whatever. A a tall, gaunt figure, garbed in a long, flowing white robe, glides into view at the far end of the hall. The figure turns its recessed, pale face towards you and begins to creep silently along the passage in your direction. The seven-foot, ghastly figure now slowly approaching you is none other than Vidmin Tastor, the master of Waith Hollow. You suddenly realise you need only rescue the young lady you've come here seeking. Those unconscious form lies just ahead, in the middle of the corridor. So, I can rescue her and just get out of here. And the audience can see a dramatic chase scene. Or I can engage the evil and powerful Vladimir Tastor and they can see an awesome fight. (laughs) Well, of course they want to see a fight. A wide grin spreads across the cracked, saw-ridden face of Vitamin Tastor. The master of Waif Hollow maintains his silence, but raises up both of his arms as a horrifying transformation comes over him. Eight long black hairy legs protrude from all angles out of his white robes as his long drawn torso contorts into a dark bulbous orb. You watch with growing revulsion as Vidimin Tastor rapidly assumes the form of a giant black spider. Alright, yeah, he got style. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most vampires are like, I'm going to turn into a bat. I'm going to, some of them are like, I'm going to turn into a wolf. But Vidim Tastor is like, that's just so generic. I'm going to turn into a big spider. It's like, everyone's, whoa, that's too spooky. Too spooky. Be less spooky. You're too spooky. But he does it anyway, because Vidim Tastor don't care. And this is an illusion, so we don't know what the real one did. (laughs) In a matter of seconds, the transformation is complete. The massive spider rears up on six of its legs, and then surges across the passage towards you. Prepare to make short work of the would-be hero that has intruded upon its lair. It's a massive black spider, who is also Vidimin Tastor. Down he will go. The massive strike spider strikes out at you with his cruel fangs and probably the pidey palps as well. Just bonking me on the head with them. Bonk, bonk, bonk. With the pidey palps. Yes, keep going. You're going down. That's what you get for kidnapping people. For almost, for things that are not PG-13 in any way, most certainly. And you are slain. 71 XP, and then 256 experience to general. The giant spider recoils as a series of violent shudders run through its long, hairy legs. The horrid creature collapses into a puddle a sickening brown ooze and begins to swivel up. And in a matter moments, you're staring at the tall, motionless, gaunt form of Vidmin Tastor, the master of Waif Hollow. You're about to step forward and prod the corpse, just to make certain it will not again spring to life when suddenly it disappears. All that's left in its wake, on the edge of an expanding pool of brown ooze, 
It's a small black beetle. Ooh, he's like Oogie Boogie. And the tiny creep insect scuttles out of the pungent liquid and slips into a crack at the edge of the hall. Ooh, it's not over yet. Well, you know, it would be. You know, if this wasn't an illusion. Maybe he's thinking of a sequel for the next ring of illusion. With no desire to remain within the confines of Sondor's eerie illusion for a moment longer than necessary, you rush ahead and reach the side of the young woman you were tasked with rescuing. No sooner has your hand touched her shoulder, your surroundings begin to shift and blur. The scene around you gradually returns to focus, and you once again find yourself standing in the middle of the circle of stones on the Dragon Hill Fields. The deafening roar of the crowd signals your victory in this, the 14th round of Solondar's Wing of Illusion, has been met with feverish approval. Solondar himself strides out onto the field and congratulates you on your victory. The Master Illusionist then courteously escorts you out of the Wing of Stones. 256 experience to General. At the edge of the contest field, Solondar again congratulates you and tells you to expect an even greater challenge the next time you're inside the Wing of Stones. Well done though, Sir Krogerson, he says. I can see I'm going to have some difficulty thwarting you. You bid the Master Illusionist a farewell and make your way off along the tournament grounds. So first west, save, on to the next round, round 15. The gathered onlookers rise, cheering wildly as you take the field and stride purposely into the centre of the circle of stones. The 15th round of Solondar's grand wing of illusion is about to get underway. A shrill, Crackling sound fills the air as arms of golden energy leap from the tips of the standing zones, arcing high into the sky overhead. The frantic cheering of the crowd falls to barely a whisper as the energy subsides, replaced by the strange, almost eerie calm that always precedes the onset of one of Solondar's phantasmal masterpieces. Suddenly, everything around you begins to blur and shift, before you can make any attempt to regain your bearings, you find your surroundings have changed. The wolves of winter. You stand in the charred, crumbling shell, what appears to have been a ground level of a massive stone tower. Through the canopy of barren, ice-laden branches overhead, you can make out a ceiling of dull grey clouds all around you. Even in the shattered ruins of the tower, it's a knee-deep covering of newly fallen snow. You wonder what this place is, and whether or not the obvious disaster that befell the tower is to play any role in Solidar's latest illusionary challenge. When a vicious snarl breaks into the solitude of this wintry setting, prepared to face the unexpected, you rush to the arch that once housed the heavy wooden tower doors and peer out at the forest that surrounds the ruined structure. Moving slowly towards the tower, and you, through the deep snow, is a large pack of winter walls. You count eight of the large and dangerous white-coated canines as they close in on you. The Wand of Buraka is the cause of the scene I've produced here. Today, says Solondar, gazing with obvious prize of his detailed illusion. Quite a few years back, Tallies himself explored the very wounds you're presently standing in, and he retrieved the wand of Buracar, for the place where it had rested for centuries. However, passing through the enchanted wood without the permission of his master, a powerful mage known only as the Ice Sorceress, what about a few difficulties? You asked Solondar what the outcome of Tally's adventure was. And he laughs. 
Much like the outcome of nearly all his adventures, he replies. It was a resounding success. Through a hard-fought one, our lad. I don't think Tally's ever put the wand of Bjork up for selling that shop of his. You might do well to ask him about it some day. Well, the pets of the ice source were so eager to welcome you to their master's domain, Sir Crokington. Hmm. I mean, the wand of Bjork. I mean, if he was to sell it, what'd it do? Because you don't really use, you don't use wands as equipment, because you don't bash someone with a wand. Because wands aren't built for that, they're built for magic. So I guess if it was to be sold, it would be, it would be some, it would be like the wand of dragonfire and, uh, I don't know, maybe... Three times a day, it can stun an enemy between five and eight turns. Something like that. And it'd be very expensive. Solidar's apparition fades, and the scene about you immediately springs back to life. The eight winter walls continue their slow approach. Each of the vicious canines holds its head low, and keeps its fierce eyes fixed on you in a ravenous gaze as it sinks through, slinks through the snow towards you. But it's only too well that this large pack will attack you in unison. Well, let's go make this pack a little bit smaller then first, using archery. Ooh, oh, I missed. You fire several arrows, all of which sail wide of their intended car targets. As the walls continue to close in, you are forced to abandon your bow and assume a defensive stance. Standing before the ruins of the ancient tower, you bravely hold your ground against the eight winter wolves. Yeah, I guess the tower's so destroyed I can't even move into a position where I can fight them one at a time. The vicious, white-coated canines hurl themselves at you. In a frenzied assault. Eight winter wolves. The vicious, the wolves snarl viciously as they tear at you with tooth and claw. One of the wolves clamps its jaws onto your leg, sinking its cruel teeth into your flesh. No, 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 not my leg. I'm a toad, not a frog. <laughs> And slain. 5xp. The snowy ground around your feet is littered with the bloody carcasses of the slain winter walls. You step back from the rather gruesome spectacle and immediately find yourself facing four more of the savage beasts that emerge from the wood on, woods on your right. The four winter wolves lunge at you, snarling viciously. Uh, you're, you're not here to be petted, are you? No, no, it's fighting. Oh, well. You're not quite dogs yet, so I don't feel quite so bad. They snarl as they viciously tear you with tooth and claw. And another one bit on... Bit into my leg for nine damage. Hey, give the other body parts a go. Oh, oh and the other leg! That's nine! I've only got one fully active leg now. Ah. Ah, no. It is slain. 5xp. The four winter wolves are dead, but you immediately find yourself confronted by a large member of the savage species. The massive winter wolf, wolf that bursts from the undergrowth on your left wears a heavy iron collar and growls viciously as it bounds forward and attacks. Large winter wolf. The winter wolf snarls viciously. It tears at you with tooth and claw. Bites the leg again for three damage. And then for ten damage. Oh, my legs. They're just little, little scribbly little strands of flesh now. There's, they bit so much off. Another ten damage from a leg bite. Is there even any leg left? 
66B. Fortunately, they regenerate a bit directly after the fight, so I can keep walking and fighting. The large winter wolf howls in agony and collapses your feet. There is no time to save your victory ever, for you are immediately set upon by a larger, even fiercer creature, this winter wolf, whose neck bears an iron collar similar to that, that worn by the creature you just defeated, snarls as it bounds up to you and attacks. It's a large winter wolf. Snarls viciously, it tears at you with tooth and claw. And is now slain. 6XB. The last and largest of the winter wolf collapses into the crimson splattered snow at your feet. When it exhales for a final time and expires. A sudden whirlwind of snow and ice appears out of the trees ahead. And hovers only inches above the top of the snow. About ten yards from you. The whirlwind rapidly subsides, leaving in its wake a blue-haired woman in stark white robes. The robed woman draws a stone wand and levels it at you. Her long blue hair, which appears to be made up of thin strands of ice, chimes eerily in the breeze. You're free to go, she says. Her black eyes sparkling. You may keep what you have taken, but know you must not pass through my realm again. This will be your only such warning, and make your retreat a hasty one. So I have two options. But first, heal. I can flee immediately. That's the first option, so probably recommended. Or attack the Ice Sorceress. Ooh, let's go attack the Ice Sorceress. Now, admittedly, if this wasn't just an illusion, I'd probably think this over a bit more, but... Really, I've waited... Pretty much, I've waited so long to do this event, specifically so I would be strong enough to attack this Ice Sorceress. Who is the strongest opponent in the entire Wing of Illusion? You step forward, eager to engage the Ice Sorceress in a fight to the finish. The formidable mage smiles and readies her stone wand. Please note, the Iron Sorceress is a being of great power. And that's in a grey box. Which means... This is the this is the GM or the DM saying no. Are you sure you want to do this? And whenever the G- a GM says that, a GM or a DM or whatever it is in the game you play, you probably shouldn't do it because it will end badly. So I can't think better of it, or I can go ahead and attack the Ice Sorceress. A fatal lapse in judgment, cries the ice sorceress, her voice rattling through the ice-laden branches of the nearby trees. She glides forward, barely an inch above the surface of the knee-deep snow, and strikes out at you with a stone wand. Ice sorceress, begin combat. You know, see how tough she is? She's four plus... Four plus. Even now, even now, one hundred and sixty-two MR. She's not three plus. She's the only thing I fought in ages that isn't three plus or scaled. The ice sorceress strikes at you with her stone wand. All right. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And she is slain. 15 XP, 256 to XP to general. The Ice Sorceress, her sustaining life force at last completely drained, shatters into a thousand tiny frozen stars that land a 
about you in the snow. The merciless, cold-hearted ruler of this frigid forest domain has yet again met her match. This time at your hands, I guess Tally's had to fight her too. Probably because he, he found a few other things to take. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Maybe maybe he'll tell you about it later. You quickly you turn to quickly scan your surroundings for any further sign of danger. But once again, the scene around you begins to shift and blur. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The scene around you gradually returns to focus, and you once again find yourself standing in the middle of the circle of stones on the Dragon Hill fields. The deafening roar of the crowd signals your victory in this. The 15th round of Solondar's Wing of Illusion has been met with feverish approval. Solondar himself strides out onto the field and congratulates you on your victory. The Master Illusionist then cautiously escorts you out of the Wing of Stones. 256 experience to general. The edge of the contest field, Solondar again congratulates you and tells you to expect an even greater challenge the next time you're inside the Wing of Stones. Well done, Sir Crocodon. I see I'm going to have some difficulty thwarting you. You bid the Master Illusionist farewell and make your way across the tournament grounds. Alright, on to the next round. Round 16. The gathered onlookers rise, cheering wildly as you take the field and stride purposely into the centre of the circle of stones. The 16th round of Solendar's Grand Wing of Illusion is about to get underway. A shrill, crackling sound fills the air as arms of golden energy leap from the tips of the standing stones, arcing high into the sky overhead. A frantic cheering of the crowd falls to barely a whisper as the energy subsides, replaced by the strange, almost eerie calm that always precedes the onset of one of Solondar's phantasmal masterpieces. Suddenly, Everything around you begins to blur and shift, and before you can make any attempt to regain your bearings, you found your surroundings have changed. 3. From Twithic You're standing at the edge of a broad circular chamber of stone. A bright light from an unseen force illuminates the alternating grey and black tiles that make walls, floor and an arch ceiling of the large room. Standing before a swirling black vortex, the opposite side of the chamber is a tall man man with a dark moustache and a deep set of cool eyes. The man is of slight build and clad in a suit of soft leather armour. He draws a short sword and levels his index finger at you. 
Not ten of the likes of you could bring me down. Yeah, I am not to be taken into my time. And now is not my time. Before you can react, the scene about you freezes as the apparition of Solondar appears. Three of Trithic's most notorious villains make up this challenge, says Solondar, nodding in the direction of the frozen, sword-wielding man. That uncouth troll is, of course, Narek Kindleg, the notorious harbour strangler, although I don't think the west of him is very kind. And so the, leg, the legs are trying to be kind, but they're just kind of along for the business. So that he doesn't really get brought into it much. Which is probably why he uses his hands instead. They're not kind at all. He is as good with a two-handed throttle as he is with a blade. He has cut short the life for perhaps a hundred while employing one tactic or another. I leave you now to face him. Good luck, Sir Crokington. Solentier's apparition phase and the scene around you returns to life. Poof, there sure are. There sure are a lot of really prolific serial killers in, in Trithic's history. I mean, most serial killers are kind of lucky they can get to a few dozen. But here we got ones that are, track, are whacking up triple digits. I mean, even Jack the Ripper, I think he only, he only got about five. And, he, and he's the most, that's about the most famous serial killer ever. I guess it's more about, more about style, panace, and sheer audacity, and people not knowing who you are, than body count. So his apparition fades, and the scene about you returns to life. Now, kind leg. Kind leg mean everything else. Which leg is kind? Because it's kind leg, not kind legs. So presumably one leg is kind, but the other leg is incredibly mean. Which leads to some very silly walks indeed. That infamous harbour strangler rushes at you from across the chamber, his short sword cutting a dazzling pattern through the air as he closes in. Well, you're going down. He slashes at you with his short sword. Brutal stroke for 10 damage. Another one for 10 damage. Nearly done. And slain. 5 XP. The body of Narek Kindleg shimmers brightly and vanishes. Your second opponent immediately emerges from the swirling black vortex on the far side of the circular chamber. The sheer size of, of the bulky chain-clad warrior now facing you from across the chamber it was almost enough to unnerve you. The towering, broad-shouldered man, his head topped by a spiked leather spool cap, and his thick hands gripping the haft of a double-bladed axe is easily the size of a small ogre. He sneers at you and laughs. Never swatted a fly as ugly as you, he grumbles. Very well, then. Let's be at it. Must whip the org. Okay, echoes the voice of Solondar through the chamber. This one was suggested by none other than the illustrious Thane Poet himself, who was only a few years back that this brutal killer met his doom at the end, end of the Thane's own blade. It's all yours on this day, Sir Cokington. Good luck. And I think was I did you cut out how ugly he is? Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, uglier than that. Uglier than that. Mossrip snarl. As he strides across the chamber towards you. His ass resting casually over his shoulder. It's Mostrip the Ogre. And down he's going. Swipes to do this massive fist. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow. <laughs> <sighs> Slammed right into the ground. 
But I keep going. That took 25 damage. Just keep swiping at you. Another devastating blow for 26 damage. Blimey, that's a lot of devastating blows. Then for 30 damage. Hey, hey, too many devastating blows. And he is slain. Phew, whew, blimey, he got more. He got about half my health off. It makes, makes out of all the all the contests in the Wing of Illusion, he's the one that actually hurt me the most. Yeah, good one, Thane. You suggested a really deadly thing. Six XP. The bulky corpse of Mustrip shimmers briefly and vanishes. Your third and pinal opponent emerges from the swirling black vortex on the opposite side of the circular chamber. You're momentarily taken aback by the short, slight woman that now, uh, now stands facing you from across the chamber. Just shy of five feet in height, the diminutive woman is clad in black leather armour and wields a pair of long-handled daggers. She smiles grimly and bows. I would introduce myself, she says, brandishing her weapons with an incredible display of skill. But these two pieces make a much more poignant introduction than I could ever hope to. Behold, Sir Crokington, echoes the voice of Solondar through the chamber, the master assassin Juliana, known best for his night sing. It is believed by many that she she has never been bested in combat. Of course, few of her victims ever had the chance to sting her back. Good luck to you. With that, Sonador's voice fades, and Giandra sails, vaults across the chamber towards you. Don't look. Don't know what the point of the assassin is. If I see you coming, you messed up. You messed up bad. I'm supposed to be dead before I even know I'm dead. And I'm supposed to be, oh, I'm dead now. That's a surprise. Bloody inconvenient. I was going to pet a dog today. A deadly blade's flashing as she hurtles through the air. Juliana. She swipes at you with her two deadly blades. Ah, oh, oh, she's she's been a lot. She was a lot less deadly than will strip the ogre. Didn't get any specials in, or for that matter, any hits at all. I doubt you're a master assassin at all. Or maybe you just took off guard by the fact that I saw you coming. Yeah, that must be it. Anyway, slain. Thirty-eight XP. Joanna staggers forward and drops to the ground at your feet. Her two trusted draggers falling out of her hands and clattering across the stone-cold floor. Now, if this wasn't an illusion, I'd probably pick up those daggers. But I don't think you can pick up illusionary daggers. Well, you can, but then you step out of the ring of illusion and they just disappear. Which is something. Quite annoying. Especially if you'd, st- you'd actually, you know, equip them. And we're using them. I went, no, where'd they go? Oh yeah, they were illusionary. Oh well. Yeah. I got other daggers. If she can dual wield, why can't we? Would be something to program. Because you'd have to make notes of which ones can be dual wielded, which ones can't. Make sure you don't accidentally equip a shield as well. Yeah, something to consider. And also, uh, it might get a bit overpowered. Because you can get some very strong weapons. Alright, the infamous assassin known as Night Sting is no more. Realising, of course, you defeated all three of the villains conjured up by Sonodar. 
You await patiently for the master illusionist to dispel his illusion and award you a victory. Oh, well, at less than a moment, after you formulate the thoughts, your surroundings begin to shift and blur. 38, and that is the end of the round. The scene around you gradually returns to focus, and you once again find yourself standing in the middle of the circle of stones on the Dragon Hill fields. The deafening of war of the crowd signals that your victory in this, the 16th round of Solondar's Gwing of Illusion, has been met with feverish approval. Solondar himself strides out onto the field and congratulates you on your victory. The Master Illusionist then cautiously escorts you out of the Wing of Stones. 256 experience to General. The edge of the contest field, Solodar again congratulates you and tells you to expect an even greater challenge the next time you're inside the Wing of Stones. Well done, though, Sir Croquetin. I can see I'm going to have some difficulty thwarting you. You bid the Master Illusionist farewell and make your way off across the tournament grounds. And west. And save. And now on to the next one. Proceed with the tournament to round 17. And I think this will be the last for today. The gathered onlookers rise, cheering wildly, as you take the field and stride purposely into the centre of the Wing of Stones. The 17th round of Solondar's Grand Wing of Illusion is about to get underway. The shrill, crackling sound fills the air as arms of golden energy leap from the tips of the standing stones, arcing high into the sky overhead. The frantic cheering of the crowd falls to barely a whisper as the energy subsides, placed by the strange almost eerie calm that always precedes the onset of one of Solondar's phantasmal masterpieces. Suddenly, everything around you begins to blur and shift. Before you can make any attempt to regain your bearings, you find your surroundings have changed. The Corridor of Death You stand in a wide stone corridor, illuminated by a dim, ghostly white light. Far end of the passage, perhaps 50 yards from you, is a tall wooden door. Behind you, the passage abruptly ends at a smooth stone wall. Wondering what sort of danger stalks this seemingly empty hall, you take your first tentative step along it, as if it answers to the sound of the footfall. The entire corridor begins to shake violently. What a sensitive room, hearing that footfall. Clunks of stone and clouds of dusk and debris begin dropping into the passage from the ceiling overhead. Realising at once the immediate danger you're in, you're about to dash, dash towards the distant door, when suddenly your surroundings freeze. The familiar, glowing apparition of Sonandar appears. Ah, what a horrible place this is, says Solondar, with a hint of sadness in his voice. Tallies and I barely escaped this tomb with our lives. And I certainly wish the same could I could I could say the same for our dear friend Othmar. May the all father watch over him. This corridor leads to the way out of the crypt. Yet it proved to be the last and most dangerous part of our excursion. Mind you, Sir Crokington, you need only reach the door at the end of the hall to score a victory. Mind you also that falling rocks may prove the least of your perils. I wish you luck. The apparition of Solondar fades from view, and the scene around you returns to life. A large chunk of stone lands with a flood on the floor of the passage. The shaking passage, you're like, oh, that's bigger than me. You dash along the corridor in the direction of the distant door, attempting to navigate your way through the falling chunks of stone that rain down from above. All right, the first of three dodges, picking a number. Bonus of 46, 
12 from luck. 34 from agility. Pick now. 100. You twist. You leap. You twist to the side and leap forward. Spoing. Narrowly escaping a deadly shower of rock and debris from overhead. Not waiting for the dust to settle. You continue, hurriedly continue along the passage. You dash along the corridor in direction of the distant door, attempting to navigate your way through the falling chunks of stone that rain down from above. The second of three dodges. Same check again. Pick now. 121. You twist to the side and spring forward, narrowly escaping a deadly shower of rock and debris from overhead. Not waiting for the dust to settle, you hurriedly continue along the passage. You dash along the corridor in the direction of the distant door, attempting to navigate your way safely through the falling chunks of stone that rain down from above. The third of three dodges. Same again. Same trick again, and... 141. That's almost as good as it could get. You twist to the side and leap forward. Quite not so narrowly escaping. A deadly shower of rock and devils from overhead. Not waiting for the dust to settle, you hurriedly continue along the passage. You breathe a sigh of relief when the shower, showers of stone and debris from overhead cease. And you find yourself standing in a clearer, more stable section of the corridor. Your relief is short-lived, however, for only a few yards past the last of the falling rock, you are confronted by what appears to be a new peril. The grey stone tiles that make up the floor of the quick passage abruptly come to the end at the edge of three wide and long black slabs of stone that span the entire width of the hall. The slabs are easily, easily 20 feet in length, making it impossible to jump over them. Crude etchings adorn, ooh, even for Sir Crokington? Oh, well, 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 I'd be quite worrying the sport of it if he just jumped over it using super frog, super toad powers. Crude etchings adorn the shiny surfaces of the stone slabs, which from left to right are a dragon, a griffin, and a wolf. Suddenly, the voice of Solandar echoes along the corridor. Only one of them is safe to cross upon, echoes the voice. Realise the only way to continue is to, is to cross one of the slabs. You quickly begin to study them, hoping to discover which of them is safe to step on. Right, picking a number. Bonus of 89. 20 from Mind, 20 from Aura, 16 from Law, 16 from Arcania, and 16 from Feathery. Guess I'm trying to remember. Trying to, trying to figure it out. Remembering Law, looking for traps. Pick now. 189. The highest possible score. After a careful... Lengthy study of the trials and determine the wolf trial is the only tile that's safe to cross. Yes, I can't help but notice all those wires that are sticking out of the other tiles. Perhaps it's that. Yes, and maybe I remembered all the murals of wolves that were earlier on in the, t- in the story of the tomb. Or maybe I remembered the tale of the tomb being told. Yes, yes, they had wolves. And all I wrote was, wolves are good boys. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Written on the tomb in Aldevarian tomes. With slight trepidation, you nip, gingerly lower your foot onto the tile and breathe a sigh of relief when nothing happens. Wasting no time, you cross the tile Prepare to continue towards the door at the end of the corridor. Now, past the three black stone tiles, you continue to cautiously approach the wooden door, according to what Sonador has told you. Reaching the door will earn you a victory. With that last thought in mind, you creep forward, eager to cover the last few remaining yards of the corridor. Within ten steps of the door, 
but it is suddenly buckled by a violent blow from the other side. A second blow strikes the door, and it breaks off its heady hinges and lands flat along the passage, its top nearly touching your toes. And your head, and my head too. With a loud, echoing hiss, a towering skeleton, nearly twice your own height, steps out of the deep gloom beyond the now doorless arch. Much to your horror, the fearsome undead creature picks up the door and promptly hurls it at you. Yeah, yeah, I know you were told to show me the door, but that's that's probably not what he meant. But actually, yes, it is a nice door. You've only a split second to act. Alright, picking a number. Bonus of 17, all from agility. Got to get 50 or more, or I get a door to my face. And the rest of me as well. Pick now. 28, failure. Too much door, too much door. (laughs) The flying door slams squarely into you. Lifting you off your feet and sending you tumbling back along the passage. The weighty slab of wood wood ends up on top of you, slowly crushing you beneath its surprising bulk. 41 damage. You manage to worm your way out from under the heavy door, using a little bit of toady slime to help out and painfully regain your feet, wounded but still alive. Your eyes now fall upon the fearsome skeleton guardian, now staggering along the passage towards you. I just heal, just to be sure. Okay. And you've not got any more doors to show me. Well, not that are convenient anyway. There's probably other doors in this tomb somewhere. But I ought to call up with you before you can find them. A towering skeleton hisses as it swipes at you with its large and hopelessly rusted sword. Despite the slow, rigid movement of your fearsome undead foe, you have no doubt that this tower is capable of landing a fell blow. If it can hit me, that is. I don't think it can. You steal yourself for a brutal fight to the finish. Towering skeletal guardian, begin combat. The massive skeleton guardian swipes at you with his rusted sword, but I'm not there anymore. Ooh, oh no, I got cocky, I got cocky. Your enemy smashes for your defences with a devastating blow for 29 damage. All right. Alright, I seem to I seem to have observed its patterns now and are dodging out of the way. Ah, oh, you managed to break graze me for five damage with a regular hit. But now it is slain. Twenty-three XP. The sound of splintering bone and a thick cloud of pungent dust fills the wide stone corridor as the massive skeleton crashes to the floor. You step back from the shattered remains of your foe and wipe the sweat off your brow. You know how, now with little trouble, seeing how Othmar came to his unfortunate end in this wretched place. A sound from the passage ahead alerts you, and you peer into the darkness beyond where the wooden door once stood. No less than two dozen glowing red eyes stare back at you from the inky shadows, stealing yourself for one last encounter in the corridor. You are greatly relieved when your surroundings begin to shift and blur, although I suspect the audience might be a little bit disappointed. But I guess maybe you just didn't have time to do... didn't have time to render... Anything other than any more monsters. Because I imagine it takes a long time to make an illusion. A proper one. The scene around you gradually returns to focus. And you once again find yourself standing in the middle of the circle of stones on the Dragon Hill fields. The deafening roar of the crowd signals your victory in this 
the 17th round of Solondar's Ring of Illusion has been met with feverish approval. Solondar himself strides out onto the field and congratulates you on your victory. The Master Illusionist then cautiously escorts you out of the Ring of Stones. 256 experience to general. The edge of the contest field, Solondar again congratulates you and tells you to expect an even greater challenge the next time you're inside the Ring of Stones. Well done though, Sir Grunkerton, he says. Seem going to have some difficulty thwarting you. You bid the Master Illusionist a farewell and make your way off across the tournament grounds. Rest and save. So, the net, that's it for today. And in the next episode, we will be doing the last three rounds of the Wing of Illusion and getting the incredible and unique rewards. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.